episode of the official show it's eli sussman managing editor of fish stripes here it's my favorite time of the year we're approaching opening day of the miami marlins regular season so for this episode let's welcome one of my favorites my favorites marlins analysts he's a fish stripes alum Aram Layden is a minor league play-by-play broadcaster who hosts the exceptional daily podcast locked on marlins and the locked on mlb prospects podcast as well part of the Lockdown Network. You subscribe to him over there. You probably already do. If you don't, go ahead and do it for his baseball insight and to learn everything there is to know about Built Bar and rockauto.com <laughs> and whoever else you got coming down the pipeline in terms of advertising, popular products. So I'm sure there's a big fight for people to get your attention. Hey, Aram, thanks for joining me with this right in the middle of a very busy time. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me on. And, um, you know, I was hoping I'd get one little opportunity to hop on a podcast and not mention Built Bar or Rock Auto. But you know what? We, we got it out there. It's, it's, it's checked off now and <laughs> they, they get a free promo there. But it's so funny. I, I, it's, it's hilarious. All my friends come and joke about the same thing. But I'm so pumped to go through some of these bold predictions. You were talking about it before. Sometimes we're lucky to get one right. So let's see uh, if, if either of us could get one right this year. But I think these will be fun to go through. Probably every single year at some point I've done this, but I think always in article form instead of podcast. But yeah, ran it by you because, I mean, if anybody follows the team and really applies outside of the Marlins for any sport and any team, you got your bold predictions. And everybody defines that term differently when we talk about bold predictions. I mean, for me, uh, they're ones that really just push the limits of your imagination, that even if you're the one coming up with the predictions, you think, well, that's probably not going to happen, but I can see a path to it happening based on the intuition you have about certain players based on um, just little subtle details to me that I think bring it within the realm of possibility. But I, with every person, you know, it's, it's a different tolerance for how bold you want to go and how much you care about being right or not. And we're going to do five each, you and me. And as you suggested, even minor league stuff is fair game and prospects as well. So I have one of those loaded up. As the guest on our show, though, uh, you have not, I didn't even want to see them ahead of time. I want you to just spring them on me so we could react in, in real time and process these. We'll go back and forth one at a time. Let's hear what your first bold prediction is for these 2021 Marlins. Yeah. So now I'm a little scared because I, I don't know if I'm not bold enough, but I like we mentioned and like you just kind of said, I have some secondary ones too. That'll be a little bit more bold based on what you say, but for number one here and anybody that does listen to my personal podcast, they'll know like where I stand on this guy, but Trevor Rogers, I have him finishing in the top three of rookie of the year voting. That's, that's going to be my number one uh, hot take for this year. And I think he could finish ahead of Sixto Sanchez. Uh, that's going to be my my hot take there because I've just been so impressed at what we've seen from him. And I, I'm sure you've uh, felt the same way. Uh, the development, um, the stuff that has just seen an uptick from him, uh, the new grip on the slider has helped a ton. The fastball is is electric um, and he just throws so weird. It's like a nightmare for lefties. I couldn't imagine trying to go left on left against him. But the thing is, is he doesn't have bad splits because his changeup is his best out pitch and he throws that against righties. So he, he really has a good mix there. His arsenal caters to uh, 
basically everything really well. They all complement each other well. And he just seems to get better and better. The only question is the command. But I think Craig Mish kind of hit the nail on the head when he said, I don't know if I've seen a left-handed, a young left-hander look this dominant since Dontrell Willis. And uh, I mean, we remember what Dontrell Willis did early on. Uh, forget rookie of the year top three. He was a Cy Young runner up at one point. So uh, I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think there could be some magic from Trevor Rogers and it's largely command dependent. Yeah. I'm pretty much on board with that. Not one of my picks, but definitely one that I'm on board with for sure, because it's, it's everything that made him, of course, a former first round draft pick in the first place, not just the size, but the extension he gets off the bounds, the able, the ability to locate his fastball. He's always been a guy generally that throws a lot of strikes. And now the fact that he has really two plus secondary pitches and the, the progress that he's made with the slider is incredible. So it would be a surprise if he doesn't make the opening day rotation. And even if he doesn't, he's going to spend a lot of time in the majors this year. So I, yeah, I approve of that. Mine, uh, this, I'll start with my minor league one as well, kind of related to that on the award front where every year the Marlins give out awards for their minor league player of the year, a top position player and a minor league pitcher of the year. In terms of position players, my prediction is that the Marlins winner this year is going to be outfielder Cameron Meisner. And I know he's another guy that you're somewhat high on as well, who I feel is really quickly just falling below the radar because of the guys he was drafted with in the 2019 Marlins MLB draft uh, right behind JJ Bleday, a couple spots ahead of Peyton verdict. And, uh, and even with the lack of minor league reps for all those guys, it seems that the other two outfielders get a lot more love, but Meisner's, I mean, his skill set is just so well-rounded. He's someone that the Marlins were fortunate that he fell as far as he did to get to them in the first oh, yeah. place. Didn't exactly light it up when he was with low A Clinton that first minor league season in 2019. And uh, I believe he was in 2020 for the most part left out of their alternate training site, which was a little inauspicious. The fact that the Marlins didn't prioritize his like hands-on development during that canceled minor league season. But I, I just think he's going to really break out and put it all together this year, what exactly his assignment's going to be. Maybe he starts at high A Beloit and then makes it up to double A as the year goes on. But he's someone that when it comes to that player of the year award, um, it's, it's not exactly rocket science and it's not necessarily meaning that he'll emerge as the best prospect in the organization overall, but he's someone that I think is going to absolutely stuff the stat sheet show power to all fields. Who's going to be playing a lot of games, even with so many other outfielders at the same level of development. And uh, I guess another factor in that is that as exciting as he is um, and how much polish he has coming out of Missouri, he's probably not a candidate to get called up at any point during the year. So I feel as though we'll spend the entire summer in the minor leagues and just have a ton of success against playing pretty much every day, playing against competition about his own age and uh, what it means for his long-term future. I'm not sure, but I think his stock is going to go way up by the time we actually get to the end of 2021. I think you hit on a lot of really good points there. And it's kind of funny. I feel like if you asked the average Marlins fan, and this is something that easily could have stumped me at one point too, is who got drafted first Burdick or, or Meisner in, in their, in their draft class. I think a lot of people would probably say Burdick just because that's the name you hear so much more, but Meisner actually went ahead of him. And uh, I mean, that was a guy that was looked at as a potential top 15, top 10 pick. If he put together the junior year that a lot of people were expecting from him, he's tooled out. Like you said, I mean, he, he's got five tool potential and I agree. I could really see him stuffing the stat sheet. 
And uh, I- I'm excited to watch him this year. He's definitely not getting the love he deserves. So I'm glad you gave him a little bit of love there. Um, next for me, um, and this might not be like as hot of a take, but I just really wanted to, to lump this in there. Um, but Corey Dickerson, all-star. Uh, I, st- I think that's hot enough, right? Like, like that, that's pretty hot, uh, especially after last year. But Corey Dickerson, um, I've been a critic of him at times on the podcast uh, and just in terms of his approach, I think he's been much too passive uh, in his time with the Marlins. He was, uh, you know, I like the the choke up with two strikes idea. Jeff McNeil does it. A lot of guys do it and it works well. Um, but it seemed like he was almost selling out for contact a bit too much last year. I want to see him try to do some damage. And I think some of that was because he was in the leadoff spot so frequently didn't hit well in the leadoff spot. I think now, the Marlins are kind of learning that he's better in a spot where he can do some more damage. I really hope that Don Mattingly doesn't put him in the leadoff spot, but with a little bit better of a lineup uh, now you got Adam Duvall in the mix as well. We'll see how they want to scatter the lefties, but regardless, I think Dickerson's going to be more aggressive. I've loved what we saw from him in spring training so far. I mean, the the talent is there. I mean, you look at the numbers that he's put up in the past, he could easily put up all-star numbers in the first half. If he gets hot, I mean, he's a streaky hitter. And when he he gets hot, he can get as hot as anybody. Um, But you know, the the question for him is, is he going to be able to hit for enough power to crack an all-star team? Uh, I don't know, but I I think that I could see 10 to 15 home runs in the first half if he really catches fire. And if he's hitting in the 280, 300 range, you know, that's, that's an all-star caliber player and, and he's capable of it. We've seen it. Um, I just really hope he's more aggressive this year. Yeah. yeah, You touched on it with the power being that one question, because honestly, I don't have much question about the other aspects of his game. I mean, he was someone that was a little, it was really shocking how much he struggled defensively at times last year. I, I don't feel that that was necessarily aging, that it was a little bit fluky over a small sample size and what we've seen in spring training is just how deep he works in counts, count after count, foul after foul. And it's one thing that can hold him back at times if he's always choking up and not really concentrating on making solid contact. But, you know, the fact that he keeps those plate appearances alive, I mean, for one, it's just going to keep him batting at the top of the lineup and playing almost every day. So I've, that's one key is having the opportunity to like rediscover his old form. And it seems he'll be on a really long leash to do that. I dig it. I dig it for sure. My number two bold prediction will be one that people who follow me on Twitter, either fish stripes or at real Eli will know I've taken a very quick liking to Anthony Bender, the non-roster invitee <laughs> at Marlins spring training. And my prediction is that he's going to lead the Marlins in saves this year. Oh. He's someone that at the moment is outside of the 40 man roster. And I think it's unlikely he's going to make it on opening day for sure. But he, I, he could not have been any more impressive. What as of this recording, four appearances into spring training, 13 batters faced 13 batters retired. He's been perfect. And the, the stuff that he's showing is um, just extraordinary. It's the, it's really the prototypical formula you look for from a lights out late inning reliever, his fastball, not only is it like sitting 97, 98 miles per hour, but the sink that he's getting on that pitch so that the few times it's actually been put in play, it's just harmless ground balls that stay into the infield. And the majority of hitters don't put it in play. He's striking out like 60% of the batters he's facing in a small sample size, getting whiffs with the sinker and with the slider. Um, from what we've been able to see, it's not just the movement on the slider. It's 
it's just all the characteristics. The fact that he has these two plus pitches that he's able to throw for strikes consistently too. I mean, that's really the one hang up for anybody with stuff like this and like a limited pitch mix that he's, he's like, <laughs> he has incredible confidence for someone that was, pitching in independent leagues last year and not really doing that well. Pitching no, in indie that's ball. the weird thing. That's the so, weird thing. I mean, I honestly, he was totally below the radar for me until the first time he stepped on the mound in a grapefruit league game. I did not see this coming whatsoever, but I've bought in in record time. And at the same time when making this prediction, it's a little bit of skepticism about the pitchers ahead of him on the depth chart. The Marlins have done a pretty good job this offseason getting pitchers that, have that I really like for this bullpen and patching it together. Anthony Bass probably opens the year as a closer, but if this team is not totally in contention for the entire year, and I think we can understand that there's a real risk that they, they start slow, that they spend most of the year at the bottom of the division and that they're sellers at the deadline. That's when you can see established veterans making a little bit of money, like Anthony Bass, like Yimmy Garcia, get traded to contending teams and flipped for younger assets. And that's going to further open up the door for Bender. When exactly he arrives on the roster, I don't know how long it takes him to earn the trust of Don Mattingly. I don't know. But as soon as he does earn that trust, Mattingly sticks with his guys. That's the common, that's how he's managed it before. Uh, Until you're off the roster, he gives a lot of a long leash to pitchers that are in that closer role and so i think at some point relatively early in the year he'll get that opportunity and i don't think he'll give it up so finishing with what's the number uh, at least 15 saves maybe it's 20 maybe it's 25 but this is it's an incredible story either way regardless of how many saves he's piling up yeah i like that one too and we do mention that his numbers in indie ball weren't great but it's not like he's come out of absolutely nowhere. Like the numbers were pretty good before that in the minor leagues. Um, so he's shown the stuff. He's shown the swing and miss caliber stuff. And I think we're seeing it and he's put it together. Uh, I, I love that pick. I, it could be really cool to see him put it together. Zach pop, as we know, is, is another guy that if he's healthy and continues on the progression he's on, he's pretty similar to Bender in that regard too. Um, but for me, uh, I'm going to, I'm trying to figure out which one I want to pull out now. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Pablo Lopez one. And I'm sorry. I, I have a feeling that you might have a Pablo Lopez one in oh, there too. Yes, I do. I do. I hope they're not too similar, but let's see. I was going to say Pablo Lopez finishes top five in the national league in ERA. Um, and I, I just think everything we've seen from this guy, um, it, it's just been incredible. It, it's really been special. Um, and I think, you can see it in his makeup, what kind of guy he is, that he's always willing to learn. He's always trying to get better um, on the cerebral side of things, too, like how you use your arsenal. Um, while he initially didn't seem like the most physically gifted guy, he's added velocities up into the mid-90s now quite frequently to go off of a changeup that is a very, very good changeup. Now he's trying to mix in a breaking ball a bit more. Um, and I think the most important thing, too, though, is, is what he's been doing against righties. Uh only 11% swinging strike rate against righties in 2018, 2019. He doubled that in 2020. And I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's more so learning his pitch usage, learning how to, how to use it against righties versus lefties. And 
I just love the progression we've seen in his stuff. And the more separation he gets from the fastball and the changeup, the harder he's going to be to hit. And I always say pitchers need three speeds. I always think that guys that have two speeds, I think that's part of the reason why we see some issues with six to at times with the swing and miss is because the changeup and the sink are a little bit too close. I like having three distinct speeds. And I think Pablo Lopez does a really good job of that. Well, we'll just team up on this then because that is very, very similar to what I had on Pablo. I had him receiving votes in the NL Cy Young Award voting, not necessarily winning it, but receiving votes as a guy that I think will be in the rotation all year. And that I didn't put a particular stat in mind, but that's a pretty strong overlap that I think he is going to be right up there in National League ERA leaders. Um, So I think he's going to receive Cy Young Award voting because I think as the year goes on, he'll emerge as the best pitcher in this rotation. And uh, one of my other bold predictions coming up will like make it clear why I think he's going to really be successful this year. Uh, Aside from what you already mentioned, um, if you look at last year, last year, overall, really impressive performance from him, pretty consistent with the exception of that one infamous outing against the Braves, part of that 29 to nine game. Yeah. When he was out of third, you take it when he should have yeah, gone a lot deeper into that game when that rally shouldn't have happened at all. You take that one start out of his, performance and last year I don't think he would have been top five but he would have been I think top 10 in National League ERA last year if we remove what um who Ryan Bloomfield is a fantasy analyst and he calls it a mulligan ERA when you remove the weakest start out of your season calculation that his ERA would have dropped from 361 to 2.59 it would have been extraordinary um, this is a question that I brought up to you on, on Locked On not that long ago about what exactly Marlins Park will be like in terms yeah. of its park factors, because it's one that very historically has been one that's extremely pitcher friendly, even as they've gradually brought in the dimensions and uh, the early returns from last year are that it's still going to be extremely pitcher friendly as well. Um, and I mean, we'll actually have to find out over a larger sample whether that holds We've seen, um, of course, that I don't know if, if you've seen the report that they're probably Major League Baseball is deadening the baseballs for this yeah. year a little bit compared to the past. And so for a place like Marlins Park, where uh, the changes, to the dimensions were, were subtle in what center field and right center field uh, compared to the previous years. I, I, I The fact that they're now deadening the ball, I feel like that will counteract a lot of the changes in the dimensions and that it'll be the other aspects of Marlins Park, just the atmospheric conditions in there. And the psychology that a lot of players have in Marlins Park, even the players on the Marlins themselves, but their opponents, knowing the history of low scoring games over there, not even trying to hit home runs the way that they would in other venues and adjusting their swing accordingly with Pablo. um, I mean, aside from everything else and how much I admire the way that he adjust makes adjustments like constantly, not just entering this year, but year after year, even during the season, he's able to pick up on things that last year, the biggest change in his uh, batted ball data is that he was generating so many more ground balls compared mm-hmm. to previous years. And so regardless of what you think about the home run factors, uh, if he's keeping the majority of batted balls in the infield, again, that uh, the risk there is, is he's just going to do a great job at managing rallies, start after start after start. Yeah, the actual... um I'll be curious to see, you know, the biggest thing is that he'd have to, for your prediction, he'd have to qualify for the ERA title. He'd have to pitch at least 162 innings, which he hasn't done in his pro career to this no. point. Uh, and for me, seeing that he'll get some Cy Young award votes 
in the process, not necessarily winning, but definitely getting votes, which historically means top six, seven, eight starter in the National League in terms of uh, overall performance, maybe he's wins above replacement that he'll, he'll need to get close to like 160 innings to do that. And so we're all kind of flying blind in terms of how pitchers, their workload is going to be managed this year, but I think he's going to continue improving and that if the Marlins are going to be a really surprise team, if they're going to be an elite starting rotation as they have some potential to do that, I think him more than anybody else is going to be leading that charge. Before going through the rest of our Marlins bold predictions, let me tell you about Symbol. Symbol, spelled S-I-M-B-U-L-L, is the stock market for sports. You trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has blended sports and the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 2,000-plus early adopters who have already started. Visit Symbol.app, www.simbull.app to create a free account. Very important. When you deposit, because you're going to want to, make sure to use the promo code FISHSTRIPES, all one word, for a $10 bonus. Visit Symbol.app and use the promo code FISHSTRIPES for a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know, invest in sports with Symbol. I I agree with all of that. And I love uh, that question that you positioned on on the Locked On uh, podcast for me when I did the mailbag, because that kind of leads me into my my fourth prediction, uh, because it all kind of factors in um, and it piggybacks off of this. But I'm going to say, you know, the Marlins finish also as a team top five uh, in the National League in ERA. Um, and, and I might even, should I go bolder than that? Is that not bold enough? Because because I'll take it a step further. What should we say? Top top three? Is that crazy? Is that insane? Just, just among National League teams. Yeah, top five among the NL. No, we'll say, we'll say top three among NL teams then. Let's do it. That's better. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. And it, it's your question kind of jogged that in my mind is so I had my concerns about this Marlins bullpen. And and I do think that, you know, it's not going to be the best swing and miss bullpen ever. Um, and, and I'd like to get some guys in there that, that get some more swings and misses. That's just bullpen one one nowadays. But like, I do like the fact that the, the balls are deadened, as you pointed out. And something that you've pointed out on your Twitter that I've noticed is that this Marlins defense has been performing. Um, it's been really darn good. So you pair the fact that the Marlins defense has been good. Uh, the Marlins rotation is undoubtedly a solid rotation. It's just how good is it going to be is the question. Um, and in this in this hot take in this universe where things are happening at a ridiculous success rate for the Marlins, I'm going to say that it's a really, really good uh, rotation. Um, but what I like about the bullpen, and I think it's a very tangible plan that the Marlins have right now, is that they're while they're not able to get some of those big swing and miss guys, they're going for the sinker ballers. They're going for the guys that get a lot of ground balls. You pointed out Pablo gets a lot of ground balls. Richard Blyer gets as many ground balls as anybody. Anthony Bass gets a lot of ground balls. Dylan Floro gets quite a few ground balls. Curtis as well. Um, And then Sandy gets a ton. You got Sixto, heavy ground ball rate guy. Pablo, same thing. Um, And so when I think you, you consider all of those guys 
And the fact that the Marlins have a really good defense as it's shaping up to be Duvall being added into the fold in the outfield is huge too, as opposed to a Garrett Cooper out there. Um, I mean, this is a team that could end up keeping that ERA in check with the pitching talent they have with the way it aligns with their ballpark, which I think it's pretty clear that they're going for those ground ball heavy pitchers. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, their defense is looking really strong. You pair all that together. And, and I think you've got a chance for a team with a very, very low ERA um, that should be in a lot of ball games, whether they win a lot or not, it'll be remain to be seen. But I think every single game will be pretty close for the most part. Yeah. We're here with our special guest with his special bold predictions, Arm Bladen, host of Locked On Marlins and Locked On MLB Prospects podcast, the Fist Stripes alum. And we had, um, one that kind of yeah, ties together some of the things we've already been talking about, about the depth that this organization has with all these guys that have some similar aspects that you can, yeah, you can see a scenario where they all kind of are in sync and they all, they all really like, get the very best out of themselves this year because of the environment that they're in and with an organization that is trying to optimize the skill set that they have, even if it's, they're not perfect pitching skill sets. And even if they're not perfect defensive players, getting the very best out of them for my number four bold prediction, going back to the position player side, jazz Chisholm, I think he's going to hit 20 plus home runs for the Marlins this year. And I feel that's bold because I mean, at least as of this recording, he's, he would, if you had to make a guess, he's probably right behind Isan Diaz in that competition for the second base job. If you had to pick one to be on the opening day roster, this is something that uh, the community has discussed a lot over these past few weeks. Uh, The competition between them and spring, it's such tiny sample size, but in terms of just the circumstances with Isan being someone that has nothing left to prove in the minor leagues, being someone that is several years older, that in fact that he's a left-handed hitter, he works deeper counts, He has more experience that there's like a lot of reasons that would seem to suggest he's going to be on the opening day roster. He's going to get that first shot to be playing pretty much every day at second base. And uh, that jazz is blocked in that he'll go down to first alternate training site. And then ultimately triple a to develop behind them until an opportunity arises. I mean, so part of this is my expectation that jazz will get up pretty soon to the major leagues. Um, And it could be a variety of reasons. It could be because, Isan struggles. I mean, I, I probably more so than other people was really concerned with what I saw in 2019, his first year in the majors, both offensively and defensively in spring training this year, he's put a lot of those defensive concerns to rest. He's, he's made a variety of really excellent defensive plays that I didn't think he was capable of. And that makes, makes his case why he'll be on the team first. Uh, But ultimately I'm not convinced of him holding down that spot at a really high level. And also a little bit of skepticism about Miguel Rojas, someone that we're not that far removed from being a utility player. And yeah. we accept him as the leader of this team. And he's now emerged as the everyday shortstop on this team coming off an extraordinary year when he was actually healthy and able to play over the course of a full 162 game season, a guy that's now 32 years old. I, I don't know that he's going to be playing shortstop every single day by the time this year gets through. So between either of those, maybe the miraculous addition of the DH to the National League, I think there's going to be opportunities for Jazz uh, to get hundreds, at least half a season of plate appearances at the major league level. And once he gets there, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar immediately. I don't know if he's going to be in contention for rookie of the year. I don't know what this means for him long term, but 
I am wowed by the kind of raw power that he has and the aggressiveness that he has early in counts to ambush certain pitches. And so he's someone that in the minor leagues facing much older competition, he's put up some pretty big home run numbers for someone his size, someone that uh, he's even smaller than I am. He's, he's not a huge physical specimen, but his, his bat speed is extraordinary. Just as we're recording this, he had the hardest hit ball of all of spring training for a Marlins player, 113 miles per hour off the bat, a home run. He's in, in spring training. We've seen him go. We've seen him between this and his call up last year. He hits homers down the left field line. He hits homers down the right field line. He could go to literally all fields. The raw power is exceptional. And once he gets up in the majors, he's someone that I feel could get a lot of opportunities high in the lineup as well. Even though he doesn't have the resume of some of these other hitters that they enter the season with. I mean, as I've hinted at before, I'm not necessarily confident in the team being in contention as we get relatively deep into the summer. You could see trades of these veteran outfielders and other positions that create a void near the top of the order for someone like jazz who not who aside from this power has really great speed as well. And you could see this pretty quickly, like turn into a, we want to make it back to the playoffs again here to a developmental year. And during a developmental year, as we saw not that long ago in 2019, that you see some funky stuff. You see Lewis Brinson batting lead off. You see, you, you see guys that don't necessarily have long track records, getting opportunities to prove themselves. The Marlins have a lot invested in jazz trading away. Is that gallon to get him being someone that was handpicked, almost literally handpicked by Derek Jeter as someone that they thought had star level upside. So I think he even more so than Isan as this year plays out will get a ton of opportunities and uh, if nothing else, I think he's going to put on a good firework show, one of the home run leaders on the team. And at the very least, my number for him, my magic number is 20 plus home runs. I think he reaches that number. I mean, I hope you're right. Cause I mean, a guy like jazz, you know, he, he starts playing well, all of a sudden he, he's a fan favorite. I mean, he's electric. As you said, he's exciting. He's fun to watch the talents there. It's just, uh, you kind of alluded to it, right? The, the over the aggression and the ambushing, it can be a blessing and a curse. It's great when they leave it over the middle. It's bad when they don't, cause you're quickly in, in pitchers counts. Right. And, and I think that's something that we've seen a lot with Chisholm is he finds himself behind Owen too quite frequently because of that over aggressive approach. I almost wouldn't mind, especially if they get to the point where the Marlins are in that like developmental aspect of the season where they're not competitive anymore. And, um, I, I'm hoping that's not the case and you never know, but if they do get to that point, I wouldn't mind jazz in the leadoff spot. Cause at that point, you know, they got to throw strikes to him. You're not going to just walk jazz. You know, the rest of the Marlins lineup is good enough at this point where you're not just going to put a speedy guy on base and, and go through it. So, um, I would love to see him in a position where uh, he can ambush and, and where he's hitting in the order would facilitate that. Um, and if that does happen, then the 20 home runs is, is a hundred percent within reason. Um, and I think that's a really, a really good one. Um, this one for me um, is, is a minor league guy and, and it's, it's a Homer pick for sure. But, but I will say that there are some reasons behind me saying this, but you mentioned Cameron Meisner as the Marlins minor league uh, offensive player of the year. I'm going to take my buddy Griffin Conine offensive player of the year of, uh, of the Marlins minor leagues. And uh, he's probably going to kill me for even saying this, um, but you know, he's, he's enjoying the under the radar uh, aspect right now, because I could just tell you, he's been working really, really hard just as a lot of people are, but 
um, so hard in the, in the mental aspect of it. You know, I think that the strikeouts uh, really bothered him. Um, but people forget, you know, yeah, he struck out a lot, but he hit 22 home runs in like 80 games in the Midwest. So he led the led, led the Midwest league in home runs in half the season. Um, I mean, you gotta be able to hit, to do that. Albeit it was a a level and, and we need to see him do it through the higher levels. Um, but you know, he's made a lot of changes with his swing, um, to shorten up, to be more efficient. Uh, he's still, he's been studying a lot of, you know, the best big, strong guys, similar builds to him in the game. Um, and, and the moves that they make that allow them to make more frequent contact, um, I think like a Nick Castellanos, uh, Nelson Cruz, those are the type of guys that, you know, you watch to just kind of see that more simplistic uh, mold to just allow yourself to get into your strength. And, and that's something that I think a lot of big, strong guys tend to have a little bit too much movement and they don't need it. it you know, you can have easy power if you're that strong. And I think he's going to be able to do that this year. I think he cuts down on the K rate, the home runs. We know he's going to get, he's going to get his when it comes to the home runs. It's just, you know, are the strikeouts going to be cut down and where's the average going to be at? But if you're hitting 25, plus home runs, you're going to be in the contention for minor league player of the year, regardless. And for him, it's just going to be, can he make enough contact consistently? And, and I do, I'm biased of course, but I do believe that he's going to do that this year. And um, that might be the one I'm the most confident in, in this entire list. I'll be honest. And uh, I mean, you alluded to it that people have a very, very short memory because they were so excited about Griffin Conan when they traded to get him for obvious reasons for his connection to his father. And at this moment, he seems to be someone that's not top of mind just because he's not at major league spring training. I mean, there was a certain number and you can only have so many outfielders. They invited, I think like 18, they, a, a zillion different outfielders in camp, yeah. but there's a certain limit in terms of guys that can actually play at the same time. So just because he's not here right now, we've seen, a little bit of guys like Meisner and Burdick and Blue Day. We've seen these other prospects that, yeah, don't necessarily have much different differences from Conan in terms of like their ultimate potential and their ceiling. It's just the ones that have been here at this very moment. One that, uh, yeah, as soon as you were teeing that up, I knew you were going to go with him. I knew you knew where I was going with that too, but uh, that one is, I, I, that one uh, comes from a place of, of, watching and and i i do believe in in the mental side of it too right we talk about pablo right you know and how much of baseball is just like your willingness to adjust and, and i do think griffin has a lot of that in him too and um you know that that's what makes scouting so hard right i mean like you, you can't get in between people's ears so uh, i'm excited and i think the marlins development system also it's it was great for him to get traded over here as a friend i was really happy to see him traded over from the jays to the marlins i mean not that the jays do anything wrong but i, I do think that uh he he he's been attested to it. And a lot of Marlins that, uh, prospects that I've interviewed have said that, you know, the, the development and the amount of, of money and energy and time that they've invested in the player development is very, very obvious. And I think that's going to start to uh, pay dividends throughout the Marlins system um, as, as we continue to see these prospects climb. One of the fascinating things this minor league season is going to be seeing the differences in players uh, since our last minor league season in 2019. I mean, the great example that's top of mind at the very moment is Joe Dunand, who's someone that was really disappointing. Uh, the last time we saw him in 2019, he resurfaced in the Dominican winter league this past winter. And from the first game I saw him over there, I'm like, wow, this is, he, he, he kind of looked the same, but it was so obvious the changes he's made to his game offensively and defensively. He dominated in winter ball, got invited to spring training. As we're recording this, he just hit a walk-off home run. And overall he's been one of the most productive hitters in spring training and someone who, I mean, my person, I don't have a personal connection to him, but my evaluation of him has changed from the last time I saw him because 
of the changes I've, I've seen to his offensive approach and to his defense as well. And he was not, uh, he was not working directly with the team at all in 2020. Yeah, he was, um, it's, it's fascinating in terms of the kind of stuff that these players were kind of on their own and they had great resources that they're able to find kind of outside of the normal minor league organizational setup. And uh, I think he took advantage of them. So Griffin could be in that same boat. It was, no, frankly, it's, it's a good point. You know, that the connections that they have on their own, you know, to be able to get, get after it and work with some, some of the best baseball minds, you know, done it, done it in the same boat. Um, and, and it's interesting because for a lot of time there, players were on their own and it was like, you know, what are you going to do at that time? How are you going to make the most of it? Um, and I'm sure that's an opportunity for a lot of people to separate themselves from each other. But I, I got a text from a buddy that's a Mets fan and he just goes, who the hell is Joe Denand and, and, you know, what's his deal? And I was like, I, I wasn't watching the game at this moment. I had turned it off and, and I was, uh, you know, just getting ready for the podcast and I look and I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. Like, there's just no way. But I, it's exciting. I mean, if the Marlins get something here, I mean, holy crap, would not not be exciting for the Marlins. I mean, how how much of a bonus would that be to have Danan turn into the guy that, you know, they thought that he could be when they drafted him? As we finish up these bold predictions, Arm gave us five. Trevor Rogers finishing top three in NL Rookie of the Year voting. Corey Dickerson making the NL All-Star team. Big bounce back here. Pablo Lopez continuing his extension. Top five in National League ERA. Marlins as a team ranking top three in the National League ERA. Once we pushed him up to that bold direction. And then Griffin Conine winning the Organizational Player of the Year. Top offensive player for me. Cameron Meisner, my minor league player of the year pick Anthony Bender leading the team in saves Pablo Lopez receiving NL Cy Young award votes uh, 20 plus home runs for jazz Chisholm. And uh, we're going to finish here with my number five, which is that we alluded to it and I've been tweeting about it, how impressed I've been with this Marlins fielding performance in spring training. I don't want to overreact to spring training stuff, but this has kind of been, I think this has been building for years with the direction that the team has been moving in terms of or, like, prioritizing up the middle players and you don't see all of them in the major leagues right now, but when all is said and done in the 2021 season, I think this will be the number one fielding team in major league baseball in terms of defense, uh, whether you want to put a number to it, a uh, defensive run saved ultimate zone rating. Yeah. I think both those categories that this will be the best defense in baseball and the best that maybe we've seen in several years. One of the best we've seen in Marlins history. I mean, you could go around the diamond, you know, the gold, gold glove finalists on the left side of the infield, Brian Anderson, Miguel Rojas. Uh, what Isan Diaz has shown in spring has really opened my eyes. I've been very impressed with him. And once he gives way, we know that Jazz Chisholm is someone that's, he's going to be a gold glove finalist of his own very soon, especially at either middle infield spot. Uh, at first base, I, I mean, Jesus Aguilar and Garrett Cooper, not the most nimble guys, but they're really underrated in my opinion in terms of some of their fundamentals at that position i mean across the outfield uh, gives you pause a little bit because that's where the age shows up dickerson about to turn 32 starling Marte, 32 adam duvall 32 but all these guys have really impressive career accolades as defensive players and to some extent all of them are guys that don't necessarily rely entirely on their athleticism like they're guys that could age sort of gracefully compared mm -hmm. to others at their position because of the way they position themselves and some of the other fundamentals. And then a catcher, um, I mean, Jorge Alfaro, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to trust him, at least in this department. I have questions about his all, all round game, but he committed his entire off season to improving as a defensive catcher. He was embarrassed to get benched in the playoffs last year. And for someone that was a perennial top prospect all throughout his life, 
I think there's and someone who has the, that incredible athleticism behind the plate, someone that just needed to shore up some things with his game calling, his situational awareness, that I think there's a big leap forward coming from him defensively. But really what ties it together is the fact that the next wave of these Marlins players, the guys that they've actually acquired through the draft and internationally and traded for that this entire next wave at almost every position is it's just jaw dropping how skilled they are from Lewin Diaz at first base. I've, I don't know if there's anybody that will be a better defensive first baseman than him by the time he gets called up. And then just at like every other position in the outfield of JJ Bleday, uh for what he lacks in athleticism makes up for and his awareness and his arm at all these positions, Jose Devers, I think we'll see a lot of him in the majors at various infield positions uh, I don't think we see Will Banfield this year at catcher. He's still a ways away. If he does sneak up somehow in emergency duty, that's a guy that's already made awesome defensive catcher at, at just at every position with these next wave of prospects, guys that we'll be seeing this year that internally they are, they're totally prepared. They're totally prepared for a full length season. And uh, whether these guys are ready as all round players, I don't know, but not only are they talented enough, not only do they have that good chemistry, and camaraderie. And I think what ties it all together is Trey Hillman, who at the major league level is in charge of their positioning defensively. And it's shown up like how much of an impact he makes and how much he understands the work that they put in to scout opposing players that it shows, it shows, and it gives them the best opportunity to make plays. So over the course of the year, number one defense, they're going to be allowing this pitching staff to overachieve. In my opinion, I'm even more wowed with the fielding, than I am with the pitching. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of wow with this pitching staff itself. Is that, is that bold enough for you? No, I love it. I absolutely love it because I, I think this defense, I mean, number one in anything is going to be bold. And um, I, I, I believe it though. I think this could be one of the more feasible ones though on this list that that could actually happen. And it's, it's a good balance of bold and could happen. And if that does happen, then I think it kind of ties into the ERA thing, right? And then then we might end up having a few of these, right? Um, but I, I love everything that you hit on. And I was thinking as you were talking about that, just imagine Lewin Diaz at first base this year with this team's uh, defense would be incredible. But of course, um, you know, the, the Marlins' two best hitters both play first base right now, and they're going to have to figure out how to uh, get at bats to both of those guys. And we could probably record a whole podcast just on that. Um, and, and down the line, I definitely, uh, before the season starts, would love to have you on Locked on Marlins to talk about all of those brutal things that make my mind scramble. Um, but yeah, these are these are some fun predictions. And I'll tell you what, I mean, if even if a couple of these or one of them is right, the Marlins are in good shape, especially the minor league player of the year stuff if Meisner or Conine wins minor league player of the year um and we're assuming it's not because all the good prospects like the, all the higher end prospects struggled uh that's a great that's great news for the Marlins um and, and I think the system it just kind of shows you the depth that we can even pull out a 13th or 14th ranked prospect and even if it is a hot take say it's feasible uh, in, in a certain situation where those guys could, could put together fantastic years. Um, and, and while there's some volatility, I love just the, the, the ceilings, the high ceilings that a lot of these prospects have. And um, I just can't wait to see how many of those guys will you know, try to scrape the surface of it. We're getting close. We're getting close about two weeks away from opening day and uh, pl- plenty of players going to be involved over the course of this long season, uh, guys that we don't expect and uh, yeah, what we lined up on this, we could all we could be looking pretty smart a few months down the road, or we could be looking like idiots. 
but at least uh, we put it out there and uh, great. The idea of putting it out there is to encourage other people to share their predictions as well. So uh, wherever you see this, if you see this online, if you're just listening on our podcast feed on Fish Drives, uh, if you see us posting a tease of this on Twitter, on Instagram, we want to hear your bold predictions as well. They don't all have to be positive. I mean, most of these turned out to be kind of positive in, in most cases, but you can use your imagination, be honest with what you're expecting from this team. And uh, yeah, what, what we're missing here as well. So this is arm laden. I mean, he, every single day he's covering the Marlins for you and major league prospects at large. So you can find him on Twitter, arm laden eight, and you can find him on his podcast shows. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review to those just like you do here. Subscribe, rate, review for fish tribes as well. So I've kept you longer than I even planned to. So I appreciate your patience and the thought that you put into these. So we'll, we'll talk soon again, Aram. Uh, it's fun as always, man. I, I always love reconnecting and uh, I'm looking forward to our home and home here where uh, I can hopefully have you on the uh, Locked on Marlin sometime soon.